bread will have a little deeper meaning as to why we eat bread and drink juice on a, as a regular habit and have in the church even before the New Testament was formulated. The, the church had times of eating bread and drinking the fruit of the vine in the name of Christ. Let's pray together. Gracious God, we give you thanks again for this time to gather. Thank you for your written word. And we ask that your spirit would open the eyes of our hearts, would open our, soften our minds to, to hear from you, to receive from you what you would have for us to learn from you, to experience from you, to, uh, to change um, because of, of your, your truth. Um, Lord, we, we give ourselves to you individually and as a community um, for we know um, that you and you alone are the one that brings life and leads us into truth and uh, carries us in the fullness of the joy of Jesus. The power of your spirit, we pray. Amen. It's uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, and throughout uh, the summer, we're just walking through Paul's letters um, to uh, this part of his letter to the church in Corinth, where he addresses a number of items and why we do certain things. Um, It's found on page 933 of your pew Bible, if you want to um, turn there. It's uh, on, uh, start with verse 17 of 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Now in the following instructions, I do not commend you, because when you come together, it is not for the better, but for the worse. For to begin with, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you. And to some extent, I believe it. Indeed, there have been factions among you, for only so will it become clear who among you are genuine. When you come together, it is not really to eat the Lord's Supper. For when the time comes to eat, each of you goes ahead with your own supper, and one goes hungry and another becomes drunk. What? Do you not have homes to eat and drink in? Or do you show contempt for the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What should I say to you? Should I commend you? In this matter, I do not commend you. For I received from the Lord what I also handed on to you. That the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took a loaf of bread. And when he'd given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body that is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be answerable for the body and blood of the Lord. Examine yourselves and only then eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For all who eat and drink without discerning the body eat and drink judgment against themselves. For this reason, many of you are weak and ill and some have died. But if we judged ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined so that we may not be condemned along with the world. So then, 
my brothers and sisters, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. If you're hungry, eat at home. So that when you come together, it will not be for your condemnation. About the other things, I will give you instruction when I come. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now, a short answer, a simple answer, some of you might desire this answer and say, oh, good, that'll be the quickest sermon I've ever heard. Why do we eat bread and drink juice? Well, it's because Jesus did and he told us to do the same thing. In a simple way, that is why in the Protestant church we have two sacraments. Two, two times that, that Jesus told us to do something of a, a ritual, to eat bread and drink fruit of the vine in his name, and the other is to baptize in water in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Some churches include Roman Catholic Church has a number of other sacraments. Other churches uh, on the other end of the spectrum have washing of feet as a sacrament also. But particular uh, traditions, rituals in which we believe God has led us to continue them. And uh, as I said, this, this particular one, the, the Lord's Supper, is one that predates even the writing of this particular letter, one of the earliest letters of the New Testament. If you want to look at the other passages where um, Jesus uh, refers to the Lord's Supper, particularly they're in the Gospels, uh, Matthew 26, Mark 14, and Luke 22. And in each one of those are the times when Jesus gathers with the disciples um, for the Last Supper and tells them to continue to do this in remembrance of him. In each one, he, he alludes to, sometimes using different words, um, but the same basic point that you're going to eat this bread. And this bread is, represents my broken body, Jesus' broken body for us. The fact that he takes the, the, the guilt, the punishment for our disobedience of God on himself. Uh, quoting from Isaiah 53. That he bears the sins of others. And when we break the bread, it, it is a remembrance of Jesus' broken body for, on our behalf, for our forgiveness, to secure our reconciliation, our relationship with God. And that the cup represents, Jesus tells us, his blood. His blood that is poured out for us. In, in a way, if you look back at Exodus 24, it's a good example of this. In, in Jesus' day, the, the blood was a way of, in a sense, a signature. A way of saying, this is my promise to you. That's why he says, this is the cup of the new covenant. This blood represents my new promise to you about forgiveness of sins and the coming of the Holy Spirit to empower you. And, Jeremiah 31, 31 talks about the new covenant and the Spirit coming to fill us and empower us, enable us to follow the ways of God. So the, the bread representing His body, the cup representing His blood. And we then eat it because we are what we eat. And that's what he wants us to know metaphorically and also spiritually. I mean, as we see later on, this is not just a nice mnemonic device, just something to help us remember and visualize. Sometimes that's what I do when I take communion. I just visualize Jesus on the cross. 
But it's not just that. There is a a, a spiritual element to this gathering so that we are what we eat. A a spiritual presence of, of Christ as we partake of this together that led, as we've seen in the passage, to God's judgment on the church in Corinth. In, in real ways, because they were denying the meaning of the bread and the juice. We eat the bread and drink the juice as the body and blood of Christ because we are the body of Christ. We, you, you and I together, we are the body of Christ. And as we eat and drink of Him, then we are what we eat. Say, say that with me, that we are the body of Christ. Just say that with me. We are the body of Christ. Now say it like you mean it. We are the body of Christ. Does it make you as uncomfortable to say that as it does me? Because that's a serious responsibility. For us to be the body of Christ. For us to be the ones that now embody His very character. His grace. His truth. Because that's what it means for us to eat of the bread and drink the juice. That's why we do it. To give us the nourishment we need to be the body of of Christ. Now, if you look at uh, this particular situation, it, it really highlights that. That's really what Paul's getting at to the church in Corinth. It, what, what's happened in this beginning uh, paragraph here, when he talks about them coming together and people going hungry and some people getting drunk. It was, you know, in the first century, uh, churches didn't meet in buildings like this. They met in homes. And the home, um, uh, it'd have to be one of the church members of means because it'd have to be a large home for the church to gather in. And what was the social norm of the day would be that everybody, when you came to somebody's house for like a dinner party, the, the, the people that were invited, the rich and the powerful, would eat in the dining room that could handle uh, 15, 20, maybe 30 in a really uh, well-to-do home. And then the others, who uh, would have been neighbors and other folks who were just coming for the meal, would gather in the den. And that could handle maybe twice as many as the dining room. And that was the custom of the day. It was a very hierarchical day according to power, according to wealth, uh, according to prestige, according to ethnic background. And the church in Corinth, unthinkingly, just assumed that same habit when they gathered for the Lord's Supper. And so when they would gather for the Lord's Supper, it it was a little different than our ritual today and how it's been changed over the last 2,000 years. It was more like a potluck. And everybody would come and bring their meal. They would have that meal together. Certain ones would eat in the dining room together. And they usually had a smorgasbord better than any you can imagine. And then the folks that met in the den would usually eat the leftovers or maybe the little peanut butter and jelly sandwiches that they brought for their meal. And that's how the church in Corinth was participating in the Lord's Supper. And that's why Paul tells them, you know, how is this happening? 
Verse 21, For when the time comes to eat, each of you goes ahead with your own supper, and one goes hungry and another becomes drunk. How, in this way, do you show contempt for the church of God in eating the Lord's Supper in that way? See, the the Lord's Supper was not an individual um, participation. It wasn't an, an, an individual spiritual exercise. It was a corporate one. If you'll notice in this, this passage, uh, five times it says, when you come together. The Lord's Supper uh, is when we eat together. And that's what was happening then. So Paul says, eating in this way is a very denial of the meaning of this table. They and the church then had bought into the class divisions of their day unthinkingly and were just having church in that same way. Paul is saying that at this table, everybody eats the same thing. At this table, all are of the the same level. Each one adored by their creator with the same unabashed love and grace and mercy. So it was happening as they were gathering as the body of Christ. They were showing favoritism. Judging one another. Highlighting the differences. And Paul tells them, because you're doing that, God is bringing judgment. A corrective, loving judgment upon you. Examine yourselves. Verse 28. And only then eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For all who eat and drink without discerning the body eat and drink judgment against themselves. For this reason, verse 30, many of you are weak and ill and some have died. He goes on to say this, this is the loving discipline of the Lord to correct the practices of the church. If you look back, the passage we read last Sunday, verse 17 of chapter 10, makes it clear about how this table represents the body of Christ as we participate. Because there is one bread, we who are many are one body. For we all partake of the one bread. This is what I mean when I say this is a, there is a spiritual presence of God here that as we partake in this table, it's, it's one in which if we deny the very table we're participating in, God brings, by His grace, a corrective discipline upon us. Upon the church at Corinth. So why do we eat bread and drink juice? because we are the body of Christ. And it's wise for us then to take on the, the same and to hear that same command from Paul for us. Before we gather at the table, is there any prejudice in us? Is there any judgment that we have on another 
who is also a follower of Christ, who will also take of this bread and this cup today. I mean, we don't have the same social practices of the first century, but we have our own. I mean, it's a natural tendency of the human problem to divide ourselves. And Jesus, as we've talked about before, and Paul talks about clearly in Ephesians 2, at the cross, he destroyed every wall that divides us. It's not possible to just for him just to destroy the wall between me and God. He destroyed every wall. Every wall that we can put up socially among us. Whether it's rich, poor. Whether it's different ethnic backgrounds. Whether it's different political convictions. Different personality types. Different mental capacities. In Jesus Christ, when we gather at this table, we gather together at exactly the same level because the only reason we can gather at this table is because of the life, the death, the resurrection, and the impending return of Jesus Christ. This is not just an exercise in our own personal, emotional, spiritual growth. This is not just a me and Jesus. This is a we and Jesus. So much so that that Paul sees in the church then and warns those that read later to say, if we come and partake of this, not understanding that we are the body of Christ. Do you ever wonder why he only talks about looking at the body? What what we've, the way, if you read this out of context, if you just read that passage, what you, what that passage, what we think it means is, well, that means I need to think that this bread is representing the body of Jesus. And if I, if I, understand that, then I'm discerning the body correctly. Wrong. It's not his point at all. His point about discerning the body is discerning one another. That we recognize we come to this table equal and level with everyone else who comes to this table in Christ. And we come, he tells us, first examining ourselves to Listen for His corrective word. So that we come here seeking His freedom from judgmentalism or or prejudice or the ways that we look down at others or even maybe look up at some instead of seeing in Christ all equally in him. We eat bread and drink juice because we are the body of Christ. Now, what I invite you as we come to the table here, we, we, we practice both coming to the, the, the table with, with the bread and the juice and also healing stations uh, for praying for healing, whatever those particular needs are. I invite you to take this time as well to sit before the Lord and ask, okay, God, is there, is there any way that I am defaming you by coming to this table in a, a place being unreconciled with a brother and sister in Christ? Is there a way that I'm coming to this table holding a, a bitterness, a judgment, a prejudice against other brothers and sisters in Christ? I invite you to ask God to show that to you and lead you to the place of 
seeking his freedom from that prejudice, from that broken relationship, leading you into that reconciliation. And it may be that you decide in this moment, I'm not going to come forward. And matter of fact, you say, I'm going to go use the telephone and make a phone call. If you do, there's a phone out in the atrium right at the front desk. Just dial 9 and then the number. But it is that serious. That God would bring that kind of discipline on the church to wake them up from their brokenness of their, their own hierarchy of buying into the social structures of who's important and who isn't, and thereby defaming the name of Christ, doing nothing, really, in His remembrance. To do it in His remembrance doesn't just mean we have a nice thought of Jesus in our mind. It means that our actions are in line with His character. I want to invite those elders who will be in healing stations to go to their places. You'll, you'll see them, them, and again, whatever the needs might be. It's a healing for reconciliation. If it's a, a, a healing in a relationship, then in, invite you to ask for that. Maybe healing for yourself or someone else, uh, physically, emotionally, what, whatever uh, that might be. Invite you to come to that point. And um, as we're uh, receiving the, the Lord's Supper as well, you'll see there'll be places with baskets of bread, with cups of juice, to come to receive from Him and to eat of the meal where we become what we eat, where we become and are the body of Christ.